Rangers teenage Canadian prospect Mitch Bratt got absolutely rocked by Team USA last night in the World Baseball Classic. What is next for Jacob deGrom after he made his first start of spring training with Rangers? And what should Rangers fans expect from year two of Marcus Simeon? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked on Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Rangers. Your daily Texas <clears throat> Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. we got a lot to get into in today's show. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an MLB GM and managing your baseball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps in the game. Now, let's start with what I think was the biggest Rangers baseball news yesterday. I mean, yes, Jacob DeGrom made his first start, but... But it's America. It's about America and a teenage Rangers prospect and a former Ranger great versus a future Ranger great on the pitching mound. Lance Lynn was the starter for Team USA and old Mitch Bratt was the Team Canada starter against a very very challenging Team USA line. If you don't know about Mitch Bratt, he was the number 17 prospect in my preseason top Rangers prospect. Rankings 6'1", 190 pound left-hander who is 19 years old, does not turn 20 until July 3rd, was born in Newmarket, Canada, a fifth round pick in the 2021 draft, who had a really solid first season of full season ball last year with down east he was nearly four years younger than the average pitcher a 245 era 80 and two-thirds innings uh, 99 strikeouts 11 k's per nine 3.1 walks per nine only half a home run per nine does not give up a lot of home runs and you know that's what i will say is to his benefit in this absolute massacre 12 to 1 win by team usa the U.S. scored nine runs in the first inning. Old Mitch Bratt was not able to get out of the first inning. And when you see the lineup, you'll realize why. He battled pretty hard against Mookie Betts and gave up a opposite field single uh, down to the right side. Then four-pitch walk to Mike Trout. Then uh, a four, maybe five-pitch walk to Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Arenado doubled to left field, uh, scoring a pair. Kyle Tucker sacrificed fly to left fielder Jacob uh, Robson uh, and scored Paul Goldschmidt. Then Tim Anderson walked <laughs> JT Real Muto, singled to score Nolan Arenado, and that was the day for Mitch Bratt. Not a whole lot of strikes that were not getting hit. Just not a whole lot of strikes in general, and it was it was rough it was really rough to watch for this kid i think it'll be a good experience for him i'm sure he was nervous and excited with a lineup that starts one two three with three surefire hall of famers in their freaking primes plus probably the four hole hitter i think is is probably going to be a hall of famer and nolan arenado 
And it doesn't really get any easier after that. I mean, you've got, he didn't even get to Trey Turner or Cedric Mullins, um, who are hitting eighth and ninth, which is just kind of insane. Or, um, you know, you have JT Romuto hitting seventh, which is just absolutely bonkers. But it kind of blows my mind that this is who Team Canada decided to trot out there. I mean, no offense to Mitch Brett. He's a good prospect. He is very young and very inexperienced, but there are plenty of other major leaguers that, that could have been in this game for Team Canada. There's a lot of uh, major league pitchers. Matt Brash, who is a reliever for, I think he's still with Seattle. No, I think he just got traded to uh, Toronto in in that Teosco Hernandez deal. There is James Paxton, which uh, he's been super injury riddled, so I get him wanting to stay in camp. There is Nick Pavetta. Um, who I would have thought they might have saved for him. Pitcher Zach Pop, um, who is with the Toronto Blue Jays. Cal Quantrill, starter for the Cleveland Guardians. Jordan Romano, who is, I believe, the closer for Toronto. You know he's in their bullpen. Mike Soraka also could have made this start. Rowan Wick. Um, Rob Zestrinzi of the Pirates. And there are surely some AAA guys and some AA guys that are more seasoned than Mitch Bratt that they could have called on in this start. And it felt kind of rude honestly to start him uh in this game plus not to mention that team team usa just got absolutely shellacked the day before by team mexico um just absolutely dominated and the offense hadn't done much i mean vance warley who hadn't pitched in the big league since 2017 through uh two and a third uh, innings without an earned run being allowed he did have a pair of unearned runs but still like this team usa lineup is not only good, not only pissed off, but they just were um, locked in for for old Mitch Bratt. So uh, I just want to tip my hat to that kid who is probably going to start the season in high A and not going to have to face any surefire Hall of Famers in their prime who have already got some major league experience under their belts. Um, but good for him to just get out there. He gotten out. Yeah, it was a sack fly. It led to a run. But still, he didn't pitch scared. He did his best, and having Team Canada, some some surefire Hall of Famers behind him, of Joey Votto and uh, Freddie Freeman, just came and pat him on the back, like to say, "Hey, we're behind you, man. We got you, got this, and uh, we believe in you." Um, tough outing for the kid, but um, it was uh, he did his best, and I I wanted to shout him out for that. But another guy who pitched for the Rangers, um, pitches in the Rangers organization, a little bit better than Mitch Bratt. No offense, is a guy named Jacob Degrom who started his first minor his first game of spring training. It was a minor league game. It was against the Royals AAA affiliate. And he did allow an inside the park home run to a 21-year-old Royals prospect who I'm sure will just absolutely tell that story for the rest of his freaking life as he should. But the main takeaway is that Jacob DeGrom looked like Jacob DeGrom. He looked healthy. He felt healthy. All of his pitches looked good. They had the right amount of spin rates and uh, miles per hour and all kinds of stuff. And Bruce Bochy said that he's not worried about Jacob DeGrom or Nathan Eovaldi not being ready for opening day. They're going to be ready. They're probably going to be unlimited pitch counts, but We've seen what Jacob deGrom can do on a limited pitch count recently even against, well, the opening day team that the Rangers are going to be facing in the Philadelphia Phillies. When he started, when he came back to the Mets last year, he was kind of rehabbing at the big league level a little bit. And his first start, he only threw 59 pitches. At this point, it's looking like he's going to throw 60 to 75 pitches by opening day. Uh, He's going to have a couple more starts. Uh, Bruce Bochy said last week that they're probably going to get about three starts out of Jacob deGrom this spring before he gets there for opening day. So I believe it'll be either Sunday or Saturday 
if my uh, math on days is is correct of when Jacob deGrom will get there for his next spring training start. But he's healthy, felt healthy, looked good, and was his usual efficient deGrom self. That is a hugely great sign for the Rangers. We're going to get into a little bit of what happened last time, what to expect from Jacob deGrom in those first starts on limited pitch counts, and Marcus Simeon expectations in year two. Before we do all that, today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. I am really excited to tell you guys about our new partner that's sponsoring today's show. It's the mobile game Ultimate Baseball GM. If you ever dreamed about becoming an MLB GM and managing your own professional baseball franchise, well, your dream can come true, and this is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. Responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, manage team finances, scouting and drafting players, manage difficult personalities, which... um, I don't know if the Rangers have ever had any of those on their teams, but you know you can navigate your franchise through free agency, all the ups and downs of the season, which um, the Rangers franchise has actually happened to do quite a bit. So if you want to pretend like you're Chris Young and go sign yourself uh, the equivalent of a Jacob Degrom, you can go play this super realistic game. Um, but locked on Rangers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using this promo "locked on" in all caps in the game. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com or scan the code as you're looking here um, on YouTube in the right hand bottom right hand corner of your screen um, just scan those and look it up in the app stores that's probaseballgm.com ultimate baseball GM start your dynasty today now the last time Jacob deGrom was pitching for the first time in an MLB season was last year obviously he came in and threw 59 pitches against the washington nationals in his first start he went five innings allowed three hits one run which was earned and struck out six did not allow a walk then the next time out he goes up against the atlanta braves in the middle of a pennant chase where he had to keep the mets in it and he threw 76 pitches five and two-thirds innings allowed a couple of runs both of which were earned um, both of those on a home run. The only base runners that he actually allowed, a walk and one hit, which happened to leave the fence, um, 12 strikeouts in five and two-thirds innings against the Atlanta Braves. Then his third start of the season, still on a limited pitch count, 60, or 76 pitches, 57 strikes against the Philadelphia Phillies on August 13th. He started the game, went six innings, didn't allow a single walk, allowed a pair of hits, no hit-by-pitches, no other base runners of any kind, and he struck out 10. On 76 pitches, he was able to go six shutout innings, two hits, 10 Ks. That's the kind of stuff that Jacob deGrom can do, even if he is limited, even if he is only throwing so many pitches. And it it seems like that's about where he's going to be at pitch count-wise. With those three starts, he threw um, against the Braves, he threw 76 pitches in that second game. By game number four, he was throwing 95 pitches, and then um, he finally got up to the 100-pitch mark for the first time September 18th, which I believe was his ninth start of the season. But the other starts, he was in the 85 at minimum to 95-pitch uh, count. So I'm thinking by the end of the month, even probably by start number four, is what this if this pattern holds, is what it's looking like. He threw 95 pitches in his fourth start August 18th, um, 16 days after his first start against the Braves um, was that fourth start. Fourth start. The first start was against the Nationals. Fourth start was against the Braves. So we've seen what Jacob DeGrom can do on limited pitch counts when he is coming back from injury. 
that one was a little bit more of a major injury. This one, this little side tweak was a little bit less of a major injury. So hoping that the plan right now, the whole point of him taking his time, the Rangers being extra cautious so he can get 30 starts in and be his full Jacob deGrom himself for an entire season because that is something very, very special to watch. But you know who else is very special? Marcus Simeon fantastic player who had a really rough start that kind of just marred all of last season. I don't think everyone, myself included, really realized how good and how consistent he was once that skid was ended. We all know how bad the first few months of the season was for him, but let's just look at it one more time for posterity's sake. And so we can have that to compare to when hopefully in this April and March, he is significantly better. For his career, he has not been the fastest starter, but I am really of the mindset that he is going to be a much faster starter this year. Last year, there was a whole freaking mess of going to a new team and the lockout and spring training being weird and being in a new stadium, new team. Um, it's just, it was a lot of change for him. This year, he's been working out. He's been staying in Arlington. It's where he lives. And he's been working out at Globe Life Field, which is where he plays his home games, which is where he also we we'll get into that in a second, how he did not hit very well at Globe Life Field. But the first month of the season, April slash March, 21 games there, hit 157, an on-base of 229, a 443 OPS, no home runs. In the month of May, he had one home run, which I believe was the final weekend of May, if memory serves. But that whole month was also really incredibly rough, a 619 OPS, on-base below 300, slugging just 320. And it was it was tough to watch, and the 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 data backs it up. He was not hitting the ball hard. He was not having good at bats. He was frustrated. He was doing things that he doesn't normally do. But then I said it for the entire two months that he was struggling. Like once he gets that first home run, everything is going to change, and everything did change. In the month of June, he was absolutely fantastic. Twenty six games, just a little over uh, or a little under one hundred twenty plate appearances that month, and eight. 49 OPS, seven home runs. He had at least six home runs at every month of the season after May, which is where he hit his first home run. Seven homers in June, six in July, August, and September slash October combined um, had six in that month as well. An 840 OPS in July and 824 OPS in September, October, down to 725 in July in August. So a little bit of a scuffle there, um, but still fairly consistent, looked like the player the Rangers thought they were getting when they signed him to that seven-year deal. And one of the things that I really liked about Marcus Simeon is that he kind of reminded me a little bit of Adrian Beltre in his career arc and the timing of him getting to Texas, a guy who had been a very good player for a long time, not always appreciated like it, had one really absolutely amazing season and uh, with 40-plus home runs and finished... Uh, in the top three of MVP voting, but lost out to a historic figure. Um, that was Marcus Simeon in, well, two years, actually. Simeon did it twice, finished third in MVP voting in 2019 and 2021. 2021, he lost out to Shohei Otani, breaking our baseball minds of what is possible. And uh, for Adrian Beltre, who did that in 2004, when he had 48 bombs and lost out on MVP to Barry Bonds, which, again happens to the best of us, literally everyone. <laughs> and Marcus, I mean, also did, lost out again when he finished third in 2019 to Mike Trout. But the way these guys age, there is a reason why I felt very similar of them coming in. And let's take a look at Adrian Beltre and how he aged and how that might 
benefit Marcus Simeon because both those guys take really good care of their body. And I think the Rangers kind of saw that a little bit in Marcus Simeon, which is why they signed him. We're going to get into a little bit of that and my expectations for Marcus Simeon, some stats that I think he will put up this year. We'll get into all of that. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and it is super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained as well. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel. Visit an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, let's take a little bit of a look at Adrian Beltre's career arc. He was about the same age when he, as Marcus Simeon was when they both signed with the Rangers, just a year older. Beltre signed with the Rangers in 2011 after his first ever All-Star season, which, again, is exactly what happened with Marcus Simeon. Simeon had his first ever All-Star season in 2021 at age 30, signed for his age 31 season with Texas. Beltre had a little bit of a better first year with the Rangers, finished top uh, 15 in MVP voting, won a gold glove, won a silver slugger, was an All-Star. Marcus Simeon did not do um, any of those things last year, unfortunately. Did not get any MVP votes, but, you know, Still ended up having a really, really solid year. Last year, Marcus Simeon had a 5.7 baseball reference war. 5.7. That was incredible. It was one of the best second basemen in all of baseball. It was the best mark on the Rangers by a wide margin. Martin Perez had a 5.0 uh, baseball reference war. And the next closest position player was 1.6, 1.8? 1. Yeah, 1.8 war behind him in Corey Seager at 3.9, which... Again, I think it was a little unfair to Corey Seager, but then again, you go and look at the uh, Fangraphs War, and Fangraphs War did not like uh, Marcus Simeon's defense nearly as much as Baseball Reference did, which it has not liked Marcus Simeon's defense um, for a while. But Marcus Simeon, I think, is going to age very similarly to Adrian Beltre. Beltre didn't have quite the same extensive level of being insanely healthy and playing 160 games, but they played... Um, actually, Beltre missed 38 games. <laughs> yeah, 38 games. Only put 124 games his first season in Texas, and he still finished top 15 in MVP voting. Then the next year comes back, his age 33 season, plays 156 games, finishes third in MVP voting, and has a 921 OPS, and one of the best years of his career. The second best OPS of his career actually came in his age 33 season, had another all-star appearance in 2014, had several more top seven or seventh place MVP finishes one, two, three more, um, all the way to his age 37 season, which I believe is one year before. Let's see. I think that might be the last year. How old Marcus Simeon is going to be in his final year of his contract with the Texas Rangers. I don't know if he's going to be winning a gold glove and finishing seventh in MVP voting in, um, whatever year he is 37. I think that will be 2020 six or something i don't know I, i'm not capable of doing that kind of no it'll be later than that it'll be 2028 i believe i don't think he'll be finishing seventh in mvp voting maybe he will 
but this guy takes care of his body really, really well. He has missed no more than 10 games in a season. Um, actually, he's only done that once since 2015 in Oakland in 2017, he played 85 games that year. But other than that, it's been 150 plus in all of the full seasons since then, 162 in 2019 and 2021, missed just one game last year and missed seven games in the shortened season of 2020 because that was a real rough one for him. But he has been incredibly healthy for his career. Beltre has also been pretty healthy in his career and stayed healthy through his um what should have been the twilight of his career and extended that twilight into an extended prime. I mean, even in his next to last season, Beltre at age 38, granted he missed a lot of time in 2017, only played at 94 games, but had a 915 OPS in that season where he missed a decent chunk due to injury. And in his last year, a 763 OPS at age 39, playing nearly 120 games. Um, that was the first time he really didn't look like himself. I don't know that Marcus Simeon's going to play to 39 like Adrian Beltre or age like the finest of wines like Adrian Beltre, but still, I think there are definitely some similar comparisons, the kind of players that they are, the respect they have around the league, how, you know, in their kind of older age is finally when they're starting to make people realize, oh, this guy has been a really darn good player for a long time, and the national media or just the national baseball consciousness hasn't really thought of them in that echelon and, um, or echelon, however the heck you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, (laughs) and a late twilight extension of their career of being healthy and being excellent and finding new levels of success in that old age when almost every other player is starting to fall off and continuing to get better. I think that might be, what is in store for Marcus Simeon this year. The projections on him from baseball reference and uh, from fan graphs are pretty varied, honestly. They are fairly different for baseball reference. They have him projected for 630 plate appearances, 26 bombs, hitting 247 on base of 310, and a slugging percentage of 444. That is a 754 OPS which is a few points higher than what he did last year. I think it's going to be significantly higher than that. Um, the Zips projections for Fangraphs are pretty excited about him. They have been projected for a 5.6 war season, which would be the third best of his career behind 2019 and 2021, and significantly better than the 4.2 Fangraphs war that he had in 2022, which again, I think should have been a little bit higher. But the power numbers they have him at 28 home runs next year, 16 stolen bases, which, again, he's stealing bases now, so just kind of fact that in. But they have him hitting 264 on base in the 330s, slugging 473, which I believe if my math is correct, that is an OPS just, just north of 800, I think 805, and a 349 Woba, which would be, again, second highest of his career behind 2021 and 2019. I'm kind of leaning more towards these fan graphs projections. I wish they would like his defense a little bit more because that would get his war up to six to six and a half. But last year, he was a top five second baseman. According to fan graphs war, he was behind Jose Altuve, Andres Jimenez, Jeff McNeil, and Tommy Edmond. He was significantly behind Tommy Edmond, just a little bit ahead of Jake Cronenworth. He had a 4.2 war season. Cronenworth behind him at uh, 4.1 and Edmund at 5.6 because they significantly like Edmund's defense better than Simeon. I don't know that I necessarily agree that it's that much better 
Sure, it's a little bit better. And Simeon, I think, took a little bit of a step back from his gold glove defense in 2021. But he was still every bit the part of one of the probably top three, maybe top five best defensive second baseman in all of baseball. So I don't think he should have won the gold glove. I think he should have at least been a finalist. Um, But still, like, maybe he was. I actually can't remember if he was. Um, But still... I think that Fangraphs should probably like his defense a little bit more, but I'm I've got some pretty pretty high expectations for Marcus Simeon next year. I'm thinking that he plays somewhere around 160 games. Maybe 160 is too low. Maybe he's going to be like, yeah, I didn't like taking that one game off in 2022. Make sure that I play all 162. He has been healthy this spring. He has looked pretty good. But I'm projecting him to have a slash line of hitting 260 on base of 325, slugging 530. That's an 855 OPS, which I believe is right around what his career best mark was. A little bit under that, um, actually, about a few points on that. His best mark for OPS for a season was 892 in. 2019 he also had an ops of 873 in 2021 has never had a season above an 800 ops outside of those two so i'm thinking this is a pretty aggressive projection for him but i think that he can hit it projecting also projecting him for 35 home runs which would be the second most in his career behind the 45 he hit in toronto slash buffalo in 2021 30 stolen bases, which would be six more than he had, or five more than he had this past year, which was 10 higher than he had ever had before. I think he's going to continue to be aggressive on the bases. I think he'll be on base a little bit more consistently this year. He had an on base of 304 for 2022, and I think that will be significantly higher, or yeah, significantly higher as the leadoff man in 2023 for a much improved team and lineup and a seven war season this is more this is more of what i'm thinking it'll be from baseball reference as opposed to fan graphs which even a seven war season in isn't his uh best war season he had 8.5 war in 2019 and 7.3 war in 2021 kind of interesting that he had a significantly higher war season in 2019 even though he was setting all of these records as an incredible second baseman in 2021 maybe that's just because shortstop war is that much higher um, for a guy playing at that same level or even a little bit level below what he was doing in 2021 but i am really optimistic about marcus simeon i like what i've seen from him in the spring i have liked what i saw from him in the back half of last year and i think because it was so rough to start that kind of clouded my vision of how good he was last year and going back and looking over these numbers and even even though you look at the kind of overall if you want to look at the baseball savant numbers that aren't nearly as impressive the things that he got better at were he was faster last year he was much better about not swinging and missing or chasing the outs above average were in the top six percent of baseball but the max exit velocity the average exit velo xwoba hard hit all of those other offensive numbers were really really weighed down by what he did in the first two months of that season i am expecting big things from marcus simeon i mean comparing him to adrian beltre feels like a lot of pressure to put on him but i know he's putting even more pressure on himself he is a veteran leader of this team had a good season last year and i think we'll have an even better one this year maybe he can even do it in the first half and people can recognize and make him a, an all-star for only the second time in his long illustrious major league career but good things are coming for marcus simeon and i think that would bo- will bode very very well for the rangers 
success in 2023. But that's going to do it for this episode. I'm hoping to get an episode with Grant Schiller tonight to talk about what he saw in spring training. If not, that'll come next week. Um, We're getting closer and closer to the start of the regular season, and I am so freaking stoked for opening day, which is just... uh, little over two weeks away so thank y'all so much for making locked on rangers your first listen now for your second listen go check out locked on fantasy baseball win your league by listening to matt and dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies find locked on fantasy baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube part of the locked on podcast network where it's your team every day thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing and until next time don't forget to enjoy baseball